It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. After the spooky Halloween festivities in October, it seems that the following holidays are all focused on happiness and cheer. If you do research, you will find that is not always the case. You will find that every holiday has a dark side. Valentine's Day is not all kissy-faced love. It was originally violence, blood sacrifice, and eventually the execution of two men both named Valentine. Should I even mention the Cupid, who is a prankster, naughty and reckless homewrecker? Then there is St. Patrick's Day. This holiday's namesake may or may not have been a saint, but one of the most popular and celebrated symbols of the holy day is the leprechaun. Leprechauns were cranky souls known for their trickery, which they used to protect their treasure. Tricksters and naughty creatures have nothing on the hoofed, half-man, half-goat devil that is said to be the shadow of Saint Nick. If you lose your Christmas cheer or become greedier than giving, it may not be Santa that comes down your chimney on Christmas Eve. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the dark and vengeful Christmas legend of Krampus. Be good little boys and girls, or coal in your stocking will be the least of your worries. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Cody was nine when his parents divorced. He had been devastated, of course. He was super close to his dad. His dad, Peter, was the kind of father that never missed a ball game. When Cody was eight, his dad used his entire vacation to build Cody a treehouse. 
So when his mom and dad sat him down and told him that his dad would be moving out, Cody had a hard time accepting it, to put it mildly. His dad had rented an apartment, and Cody would spend every other weekend with him. It was all starting to be a new normal, until she came into the picture. Cody's dad picked him up on Friday evening as he usually did, and Cody was deep into a story about how he had won first place in a sack race at track and field day at school. This was, after all, quite an accomplishment for a boy in the fourth grade. Suddenly, his dad interrupted him. Hey, Cody, I have someone that I want you to meet. Cody was caught by the tone in his dad's voice and looked at him suspiciously. Who, Dad? Who do you want me to meet? Just a friend of mine, but I think you will really like her. That word was all he needed to hear. Her. Cody knew instantly that whoever this her was, he would never like her. Cody sat silent for the rest of the ride and jumped out of the car without a word when they got to the apartment. He headed to his room and slammed the door. He already had plans brewing in his head of how he was going to get rid of this new friend of his dad's. Cody didn't come out of his room until dinner. He sat at his computer playing games and plotting. When dinner time rolled around, Cody's dad knocked on his door. Hey, Cody, dinner's ready. Cody tossed his controller on the bed and headed to the tiny apartment-sized kitchen. But he came to a halt when he saw someone sitting at the table with his dad. Cody, this is my friend I was telling you about. Marissa. Cody looked her over. She looked like one of the older girls on his school bus. The ones that thought they were grown-ups and tried to boss everyone around. He didn't like her. Marissa smiled at him. Hi, Cody. It's nice to meet you, finally. What did this girl mean by finally? It didn't sound like they were new friends. Cody barely acknowledged her as he nodded his head and sat down. They were having spaghetti and meatballs, Cody's favorite. But all he could manage to do was move the meatballs around on his plate with a fork while trying to ignore the stupid conversation going on across the table from him. Dad, may I be excused? Cody asked. But you've barely touched your food, and I've fixed your favorite. I have a stomach ache, Cody said as he gave a heated look in Marissa's direction. I guess you can go. I will put your plate up in case you get hungry later. Cody stood up quickly, almost knocking his chair over, and darted to his room, slamming the door behind him. He threw himself down on the bed, burying his face in his pillow. He wasn't going to cry. Crying was for babies. As he lay there, he could hear bits and pieces of hushed conversation drift down the hall. I know you want to wait a little while to tell him, Peter, but pretty soon it will be obvious, and you don't want him to figure it out on his own. That could be very hurtful. I know, Marissa. I just wanted him to get to know you first, and then I know he will love you just like I do. That was it. His dad had lied. This wasn't just some friend. Cody had known all along, but hearing it didn't make it any easier. And then, even though he wasn't a baby, Cody, without even getting ready for bed, pulled the blanket over his head 
and cried himself to sleep. I did not know when I was growing up that there was a legend that Santa had a sidekick who is evil. As you all know, Santa Claus, or Saint Nick, is believed to deliver gifts to all the children who have been good during the past year. But what do the naughty children get? I always heard that they would get a bundle of twigs or a stocking full of coal. From what I have learned, there are possibly worse things in store for naughty children. My parents never told me this story. They probably didn't want me having nightmares on Christmas Eve. A nightmare awaits the truly naughty children on Christmas, and he is a demon and Santa's counterpart who goes by the name of Krampus. Like many demons, Krampus borrows several features from goats. He has long horns that curl back on his head. His legs end in hooves instead of feet. His body is covered in shaggy fur, which can be white, black, or reddish brown. He even has a long pointed tongue like a goat. Krampus also has claws and fangs. He walks on two legs, dressed in chains and bells that he shakes at people on the street. He also carries a bunch of birch rods or a horsehair whip and a large sack or basket. The birch rods and whips are used to beat naughty children, but the sack is reserved for the truly wicked. Krampus is merciless, yes, but he may not exactly be evil. Krampus follows the rules of justice. He only comes after children who misbehave, and while he does seem to enjoy punishing wicked children, he is never seen attacking innocent children. I wonder just how wicked you have to be. I can think of a few people from my childhood that should have been on his list. In some ways, Krampus can be seen as an obedient slave. He wears chains, which symbolize his enslavement, and in many stories, he only appears when and where St. Nicholas tells him to be. Krampus comes to town December 5th, the night before the feast of St. Nicholas, and visits all the houses to dish out his punishments. If you are lucky, you might just get swatted with a birch branch. If you're not, you'll wind up in the sack. After that, your fate is anyone's guess. The legends suggest you might be eaten as a snack, drowned in a river, or even dropped off in hell. St. Nicholas Day is celebrated greatly in the coastal regions of northwestern Europe and areas of Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Every year in early December, children in Austria get ready for St. Nicholas to visit them. If they've been good, he'll reward them with presents and treats. But if they've been bad, they'll get a lot more than a lump of coal. They'll have to face Krampus. Krampus and St. Nick's other bad boys have their origins in pagan celebrations of the winter solstice. Later, they became part of Christian traditions in which St. Nicholas visited children to reward them on December 5th or 6th. Around that time, his menacing partner, who would also visit kids to punish them. In Alpine, Austria, and some parts of Germany, this day was known as Krampusnacht, or Krampus Night, when adults might dress up as Krampus to frighten children at their homes. Children might have also seen Krampus running through the streets during Krampuslauf, literally a Krampus run. If Krampus Knot was a way to scare kids into behaving themselves, 
the Krampus Loft, which isn't tied to a specific day, was a way for grown men to blow off steam while probably still scaring kids. Austrian men would get drunk and run through the streets dressed as the fearsome Krampus. Like Krampus not, the Krampus Loft tradition continues to the present day. In fact, Krampus roots have nothing to do with Christmas. Instead, they date back to pre-Germanic paganism in the region. His name originates from the German Krampen, which means claw, and tradition has it that he is the son of the Norse god of the underworld, Hell. During the 12th century, the Catholic Church attempted to banish Krampus celebrations because of the resemblance of the devil. More eradication attempts followed in 1934 at the hands of Austria's conservative Christian Social Party. But none of it held, and Krampus emerged as a much-feared and beloved holiday force. For some, the annual festival of child-hunting Krampus is fun. But concerns that refugees in the alpine towns that celebrate Krampus could find the tradition frightful has prompted some towns to consider taming the horror. In 2015, Krampus' scheduled arrival in the alpine towns that celebrate him coincided with an influx of refugees from Syria and Afghanistan. Though the festival is well-loved, it gave rise to concerns that the new neighbors might fear the tradition and its nightmare-fueling costumes. Rather than canceling the parade, town officials decided to educate the newcomers. The Telegraph's Rosina Sabur writes that refugee children in Linz were invited to a presentation where they learned about the props, costumes, and customs of Krampus. Segers liked the idea of introducing Krampus to the refugees in Austria. I think it's wonderful that they want to get the refugees used to this sort of thing, he said. You can't force people to adopt cultural traditions, of which they have no basis or point of reference. Perhaps you'll be next to catch the Krampus spirit this holiday. After all, the horrible creature could very well be watching you. In the United States, Krampus has crept his way into pop culture with the hit TV series Grimm. In 2013, the Beast was featured in The Twelve Days of Krampus. Other television shows that have featured Krampus in at least one of their episodes is American Dad in 2013, and also the popular series featuring characters Sam and Dean Winchester, Supernatural. Krampus made an appearance in their 2007 Christmas episode. The character of Krampus has been imported and modified for various North American media, including print. The Devil of Christmas, a collection of vintage postcards by Monty Beauchamp in 2004. In 2012, The Holiday Devil was featured in a novel titled Krampus Yule Lord by Gerald Brom. In L.A. and across the states, we are seeing Krampus events pop up. A bit behind the trend, I'd say. It makes many wonder, though. Will we be seeing Krampus cards and gift wrap in the stores in 10 years? There are some popular horror movies that have been created about the German Christmas demon. One of the two most successful films about the Christmas devil is 2015's Krampus. In fact, even critics on Metacritic gave it a 49 out of 100, according to 21 views. Perhaps one of the reasons for its success is the cast that has such stars as Adam Scott from Parks and Recreation and Tony Collette from Knives Out, Hereditary, and Little Miss Sunshine. 
The story follows a family in which a boy accidentally summons the demon Krampus to their home due to having an unhappy Christmas. At the time, the premise was fresh because there hadn't been a horror Christmas movie since 2006's Black Christmas. Rare Exports, released in 2010, is a truly exceptional movie. Horror films are usually not very loved by critics, yet are favored by audiences. But here the situation is different. It holds a 71 out of 100 on Metacritic while having a rating of 6.7 on IMDb. The movie is based on a short film, Rare Exports, Inc., and its sequel about a company that ships out Santa Clauses to locations around the world. The story of the feature film follows the lives of people living near the Corvanturi Mountains who discover the secret behind Santa Claus. While it hasn't been a common trend, Krampus actually has made a few appearances in video games over the years. Usually he comes as part of the Yuletide event for the season, but in some games, he is a regular monster to face. So if you're a part of the growing interest in the Krampus story, or just interested in seeing a darker side of Christmas in your video games this season, here are some games with Krampus for you. Killing Floor 2 is a first-person shooter game and a direct sequel to Killing Floor. Military clones have spread unchecked across Europe, collapsing governments and communication networks, and spreading chaos and violence. These clones, called Zeds, attack the player in waves until eventually there is a boss fight. Killing Floor 2 is all about doing this kind of gameplay in different stages, either alone or with up to six other people. The more players there are, the more Zeds will spawn. There is also a player versus player mode that lets you fight other gamers instead of just the computer. Krampus is a new addition to the Killing Floor 2. Seasonally appropriate, he was added in the December 2017 Twisted Christmas update for the game. Not only was Krampus himself added, but his whole lair was added as a stage to play in. It's a lumberyard factory and prison all rolled into one. In Krampus's lair, you must fight your way through everything to reach his lair where he keeps the naughty list. Krampus himself serves as a boss, and when the Twisted Christmas event was happening, there were several special objectives such as smashing his trinkets to earn extra experience. Beware, not only Krampus who is a huge armored monster with an axe, but be careful of his wood chipper trap too. Carnival is a rail shooter game that was popular in the arcades. As a rail shooter, it takes you through the various levels automatically, allowing you to shoot at enemies. Set in Iowa, it follows an urban legend that if a golden coin is inserted into the mouth of a jester on the grave of a ringmaster at the cemetery, a haunted amusement park will be revealed. The unnamed protagonist you step into the shoes of does just this while on a hayride in the cemetery, and the amusement park does indeed appear. The park is anything but fun, though, and is full of undead monsters. The protagonist takes a rifle from the shooting gallery, using it to try to escape from the amusement park. Carnival is known for being full of graphic, realistic violence. The game is very bloody, and coupled with the scary setting is an adrenaline rush to play. Amongst all the other monsters and undead that you face in the game lies Krampus. He served as a boss in Carnival to complete the rickety town level 
taking the appearance of a much more terrifying Santa Claus. He has huge antlers and pine tree claws, and attacks by throwing lumps of burning coal or hitting the player with his giant sack. Krampus only speaks German, adding to the oddly terrifying aesthetic of the ordeal. He must be defeated to progress in the game, serving an important purpose in Carnival. The legend of Krampus is so weird that people can't help but to be fascinated by it. I'll be honest, it's even a little hard to look at, and who would surely make my mother cringe? It definitely makes me cringe. I can't imagine how something so dreadful and twisted can be part of the holiday that is so warm and fuzzy. But that's what makes my job so much fun. You might not be asking yourself, who is Krampus? But instead, telling yourself, I better behave. So the next time you hear a distant jingle on a cold December night, don't be so quick to assume it's good old Saint Nick with his eight tiny reindeer. Like the old Christmas song says, He sees you when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Because it may not be Santa who is coming to your town. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Attention all mystery lovers. Dive into the captivating world of June's Journey, the hidden object game that will awaken your inner detective. Join June Parker on her quest to uncover the shocking truth behind her sister's murder in the glamorous 1920s. I'm a couple of chapters in, and I love unlocking new pieces to the mystery after each hidden item search. The beautifully detailed scenes, from New York's finest parlors to the charming sidewalks of Paris, make the experience truly immersive. As you progress, you'll also get to build and customize your very own island estate, complete with stunning gardens and luxurious buildings. Gather compelling evidence, decipher cleverly hidden clues, and unravel the dark secrets of the Parker family. Each twist and turn will keep you on the edge of your seat eager to crack the case. Cooperate or compete against other players in the detective club, and you'll even get a chance to play in a detective league to test your skills. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today in iOS and Android. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. The last year had been rough on Cody. He entered the fifth grade and his grades dropped. He started getting into fights and he had begun spending most of his time in his room playing games. His dad and Marissa had waited only another month before dropping the bomb on him. They were not only just friends, but they were going to get married and there would be a baby in a few months after that. They would be one big happy family. Cody was angry and two weeks before school started, his baby brother was born. They named him Jordy. What kind of stupid name is Jordy anyway? 
He looked like some fat, tiny, bald-headed old man. He stunk, and he screamed all the time. What bothered Cody the most is his dad started calling him the same thing he used to call Cody, Daddy's Little Man. His dad and Marissa started to try and push the whole family thing on him even harder after Jordy was born. They took them to the zoo together and the park. Every weekend, it was a new destination to try and get Cody to bond with his new brother. Cody was stubborn, though, and very determined. When they were at the zoo, when no one was looking, he gave Jordy's stroller a little shove with his foot and sent it rolling down a hill. Marissa screamed and reached the stroller before it could flip or hit anything. Before the trip to the park, Cody dumped the baby sunblock and filled the bottle with tan accelerator. Jordy was bright red and in pain for days. Marissa ended up having to take him to the pediatrician. Peter and Marissa were scared to leave the baby alone in the room with Cody. There were numerous sneaky incidents where Cody tried to do things to make Jordy cry. He would pinch him when no one was looking and play innocent when asked what he had done. Jordy was only three months old at Thanksgiving when they found a box full of his toys hidden in the closet. They had been smashed to pieces. Marissa lost it and screamed at Cody, crying and accusing him of hating his brother. Cody just looked at her and said, Yeah, so? He isn't really my brother anyway. That night after dinner, Peter sat Cody down and had a very serious conversation with him. Cody, I know this has been hard for you. I know you feel replaced and threatened, but Jordy is just an innocent baby. And he is your brother, whether you like it or not. I have an idea. I want you to help me write a letter to Santa for Jordy. And then you can write one for yourself. Dad, Santa is for babies. I swore I wouldn't write to him anymore when he didn't give me what I asked for last year. That is when I knew he wasn't real. Puzzled, Peter asked him, What did you ask for? Cody rolled his eyes. It doesn't matter. Peter looked like he was going to cry. Cody had never seen his dad like that before. Okay, Dad, let's write the stupid letters. Peter smiled so big that Cody rolled his eyes again. They sat at the kitchen table and wrote a sweet letter to Santa for Jordy. Cody managed to fake his way through it and even made some good suggestions. When they finished, Peter said, Okay, now we can work on yours. Um, Dad, no offense, but I don't need any help and a Santa letter is kind of a private thing. Okay, Peter said smiling. I will give you some privacy. He patted Cody on the back and went to the living room to watch TV with Marissa. Cody thought for a minute. This letter had to be perfect. Santa probably would fail him again, but it was worth a shot. Then with determination, he bit his bottom lip and started writing. Dear Santa, I don't need any toys and honestly, I'm not sure you are real. Last year, you ignored my letter. Also, I have been more naughty than nice, and I don't see that changing anytime soon unless you help. You see, my dad left me and my mom and started a new family. 
I am just a kid, and things like that should not happen. I want you to take my stepmom and her baby away. I don't care what you do with them. Train them as elves for all I care. I just want my life back the way it was and not to have to share my dad anymore. Cody Folding the letter, Cody put it in an envelope and sealed it shut. He then walked to the living room and handed it to his dad and with a smug smile went off to his room. It was his mom's turn to have him for Christmas and Cody was grateful. They spent the evening baking and sampling cookies. When they were done, his mom fixed a plate of cookies and a glass of milk and left them on a table in the living room for Santa. By the time Cody made it to bed, he had a stomach ache, but he managed to fall asleep fast. Something startled Cody awake, but as he lay there in his bed and looked around, he could not figure out what it was. He caught sight of snow falling outside his bedroom window. Excited, he jumped out of bed and ran to the window to look. He was searching the yard, imagining where he would build a snowman in the morning, when he saw a dark figure underneath one of the larger trees. He rubbed his eyes and looked again, and the figure was gone. Shrugging his shoulders, he went and climbed back into bed. He had just pulled the blanket up to his chin when he heard a thunk come from the living room. Cody thought it was probably his mother sneaking and putting gifts under the tree. It wouldn't hurt to get a peek. So he snuck out of his room and down the hall. He stopped at the top of the stairs and stayed in the shadows so she could not see him. But his mother wasn't there. There was a strange mist like smoke coming out of the fireplace where it seems the fire had gone out. He was about to go down the stairs and check it out when he saw a huge shadow making its way across the living room floor. He then hears heavy footsteps, accompanied by the jingling of bells and what sounded like chains. Cody chose not to stick around and find out what that was, so he quickly headed back to his room and quietly locked the door behind him. He was about to climb back in bed and hide under the blankets when he heard the heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. He sat on the edge of the bed and listened. Suddenly they stopped right outside of his bedroom door. He waited quietly and nearly jumped out of his skin when the doorknob began to rattle. Cody dove underneath the bed and just managed to get his feet under and hidden when the door burst open. The steps began heading towards his bed and Cody squeezed his eyes shut. It seemed like forever before he opened his eyes, but when he did, he regretted it. There, inches from his face, were two large hooves. Cody covered his mouth and stifled a scream. The hooves began to circle around his bed and suddenly he felt two large hands embrace his bare ankles and pull him slowly from under the bed. Cody lost it then and began screaming. Quiet. That voice was so scary that Cody froze and suddenly realized he was staring right into the red eyes of a monster. It was a huge creature and it looked like it had came straight from hell. It had the body of a man, but that was it. 
It had a furry head like a goat, with great horns curled around it. As Cody stared in horror, a long tongue slid out of its mouth and grazed his cheek. You taste awful sweet for someone so naughty. Maybe I will eat you, but first I will offer you a choice. Cody whimpered but otherwise kept silent. You see, I can beat you, eat you, or drag you to hell. If you choose a beating, it is only good for one year. When I come back next Christmas, if you have been bad, I will put you in my bag and drag you away forever. There really was no choice, so Cody cried. I will be good. He closed his eyes as the beast reached for a whip that was hanging from his waist. For some strange reason, his mother never heard him cry out. The next morning, Cody's mom found him covered in bruises but strangely cheerful. She questioned him, but he wouldn't give her an answer. She called the police, suspecting someone had broken in and hurt her son. But when the two officers showed up, they couldn't get any answers either. Before they left, they searched the area in and around the house and found no trace of an intruder. The only thing they found was a pair of large hoof prints in the snow. Cody was true to his word. He was polite, kind, and considerate. He played with his baby brother and even helped Marissa around the house when he stayed with them. His parents wondered about the change in him but didn't ask. They were just happy that it had happened. No one knew that Cody recited the lyrics to a song every day in his head to remind him what would happen if he did not behave. Silent night, scary night. Krampus creeps up to give you fright. You've been naughty, lazy, and bad, so I'll steal you from your mommy and dad and eat you piece by piece. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com, C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week for the Season 2 compilation, featuring Episodes 11 through 20, and one easy-to-enjoy download. In the meantime, happy holidays to all of you folklore freaks. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. 
products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.